0: for
1: Hello and happy new year from Open All Ours. Um, I've got a feeling tonight's podcast is going to be quite good because we have the co-creator of The In Between Us, a Sex Pistol, and QPR's man of the moment. And uh, also me and Finney. But uh, yeah, well, at least we've got three good ones on. Um, Paul, um, great work putting this 5 aside side team together.
2: It's the least I can do for the good of the fan base. <laughs> and, and it's a cross that someone has the bird to talk QPR for this long with Mr Albert himself.
1: Excellent. Well, Albert, I'm going to come on to you in a, in a second. And um, Ian,
2: to be fair, I've got drunk with Ian a couple of times, so he, he, he's, he knows you better than this. Sorry, Ian.
1: Yeah, so... That Ian is Ian Morris, who I mentioned before, in between, in between his fame. Um, in fact, funny enough, on that theme, the last time I saw you, Ian, was in a pub in Waterloo after the Millwall game. How, how are yeah. you?
3: Yeah, I'm all right. I'm good, actually. I was, I was actually back in, I'm in Los Angeles at the moment, but I came back for Christmas and uh, was going to take my son to the first, his first ever game with my dad, with his granddad, to our season tickets. And it was the um, the game that was cancelled, the Swansea game. Oh, so was like, so I'm sort of... So I'm back in L.A. now and trying to explain to my son um, why Queen's Park Rangers is the greatest football team on earth still. (laughs) It's just about about still believing, which is good.
1: Well, once he's seen Albert on this, then uh, it'll take no more convincing. Um, So what have you been up to? Have you got any projects on the go?
3: Yeah, I'm doing, uh, I wrote a film with a friend of mine called Taika Waititi, who's a film director. Um, We shot it a couple of years ago and then we had a bit of time during COVID to try and edit it and. Pick some bits up. But it's called uh, Next Girl Wins at the moment. It's based on a very good documentary, a football documentary called Next Girl Wins about the world's worst international football team, um, uh, American Samoa, who lost 31 0 to Australia once in an international game. And so yes. it's a kind of the, the documentary is very, very good and it's kind of based on that documentary. So that's what I've been up to.
1: Brilliant. Yeah. And it's good to see you in the in betweeners enjoying success post in betweeners. Um, <clears throat> Ever, ch- ever, ch- any chance you'll ever be reunited? Do you think?
3: We just, I mean, you know, they say wait for the tax bills. When the tax bill comes in, that's when. When all, <laughs> it's hit our tax bill, you'll see an Inbetweeners reunion. <laughs> be like, everyone's back together. Okay. No, it's funny. It's, I'll, say, I'll be honest with you. We love each other, and we we all like chat. We've got a WhatsApp group and stuff, and it's just one of those things where I think we'd all like to work together somehow. Just we haven't got any good ideas. <laughs>
4: All right, ideas are funny things. They kind of just come when they come, which is, all you can really be is receptive to them, I find, with songwriting and stuff. You know, you can't just have a good idea. Yeah. I did like what Picasso said about be painting. He said that, you know, just having a good idea doesn't just come, and working doesn't come, but he finds he has a good idea when he works at it. So, yeah. Maybe yeah. you got put yourself in a position for like a lot of things at life, I suppose if you try, but you, you go through phases you know i mean at the moment mm. i've I've got a new album waiting to come out, which I've finished doing, and I put a lot of effort into doing it, but it's everything's really a bit slow at the moment because of you know what's happened with Covid and gigging and the stupidity of brexit and all that, and not but you know then tours keep getting cancelled and things. But you know, until you have, you can have so much in your head of an idea, and until it's kind of gone and moved on, it's hard to have the new idea because there's not room. You know, you, the new one that's got to go in there and squeeze all the other ones out there, or the other one's got to come out here for, to make room for the new ones to come in. That's what I find, anyway, artistic.
1: Yeah. Wise words, and that, for those who don't know, is Glenn Matlock, um, who's recently finished his solo tour, or sorry, with, with the band, but recently finished his tour, uh, found a member of the Sex Pistols, wrote uh you talk about idea you wrote pretty vacant that wasn't a bad idea um uh and 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 what have you been up to recently obviously you've just finished your tour you're just waiting for the next one i guess
4: oh yeah I'm I've done, I've done lots of, sort of business meetings and record companies and kind of a little bit involved with this pistols film that's coming out um yeah. that danny boyle's doing so that's kind of interesting and a, lot, a few things kind of hinge on that a little bit really but um <laughs> Yeah, I was I was going to say, I say. So, but, but hopefully I might be over in the states late spring as well, so I might, I might take a trip to Los Feliz. And, I would, and I would,
3: love to see. I'm a huge fan. I would love to see. That'd be amazing.
4: Then, I'm, yeah, going I'm, just... check,
0: I'm going to check some about QPR at the moment. Then any new checks for QPR? <laughs> uh, maybe <laughs>
4: that's the next thing. When that's all out, I'll, I'll, I'll have a go at writing mum. Just um, make sure you
0: include me, please. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, I might so... just the
4: It goes, oh Albert. Madoma. No, not that one. I want a new one, please. <laughs> they're so they're I ready, want a special
0: ready. one from you, please, Glenn.
4: All right, I'll, I'll work on it. Uh, thank brilliant. you very much. Not,
1: <laughs> sure. And that, of course, is Albert Adoma. Albert, um, what's your favorite Sex Pistols song, first of all?
0: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't have a favorite. I just listen to all of them when it's on. I'm, I'm I'm an easy man to please, whatever song it's on. I'll listen to, you know. Brilliant. So, and right. a fan of the in-betweeners? I watch it when it's on, Ian. I won't lie to you, because obviously sometimes a bit explicit, but yes. you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you just have to watch it sometimes, a bit of a laugh. It's amazing. So when it's on, I'll watch it.
1: Brilliant. Thank and you. it's great to have you with us, Albert. Um, and before I throw it over to everyone else, like uh, in the space of the last nine days, uh, we you've played three times, three wins scored a brilliant goal with an even better celebration um, (laughs) and scored one of the crucial penalties on Saturday against Rotherham. So, yeah, not a bad nine days, really.
0: Um, Chris, so far, so good. I'll just start from the two games. Beginning the new year with a goal was amazing against um, Birmingham. As you all know, I used to play for Aston Villa, so I was getting the (laughs) views from the home fans, you know. So sometimes as a play, you just have to firm it, put your head your head down just focus on the task ahead and for me getting abused, I'm used to that in a way because I scored against them in the past and for me to score against them was just it was just a happy new year basically you know all the villas all those villa supporters never QPR supporters but before I come on to the QPR supporters all the villa supporters were just buzzing off that goal and the main thing is we got the three points and it was a new year so I just had to celebrate I didn't even celebrate my teammates that's the saddest part you know which I, I actually apologize to my teammates because I was just over the moon that I scored against my former derby team should I say and I just just thought let me just run to our way supporters and just do a um, new year's dance in front of them which was just amazing and I know how like the supporters just take to me so I just thought I just had to show them appreciation first goal of the season and it's a new year so just enjoyment joyous moment
1: yeah and 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 how has it been generally I mean it's it's like living the stuff of dreams playing for for the team you support just just try and sum up how these last few <laughs> <months have been. laughs>
0: you know what? I know every supporter is saying this I'm living the dream it's a real but the main thing is I just have to be professional because at, at the end of the day, Glenn and Ian will know this and even yourself, Chris and Paul, um, it's work, you know. So sometimes you just have to be professional and I know I support the team that I love and it's not often you get players that will support a local team and even go to the academy and start from there, which is very rare that you see that, you know, nowadays. Back in the days, yes, but now you don't really see that. And for me to get that, chance you know it nearly happened maybe six years ago when I was at Middlesbrough by the time they had to pay a fee for me which QPR couldn't afford me that's how good I was back then but <laughs> <laughs> at the time they couldn't, they couldn't afford me so obviously I thought I missed the boat and funny enough when I was at Villa three years back they nearly came for me as well and unfortunately I was on high wages so they couldn't come for me again <laughs> and when I was a free agent it happened and I think it was meant to be because I actually thought I was going Cardiff because I went on loan to Cardiff. I'd done extremely well there. And when my my agent rang me, I thought I'm off to Cardiff because I'd done well there on loan and QPR came and I just told my agent, make it happen. I didn't even ask him how much I was going to earn or anything. I just said, look, make it happen. I'm a free agent. I just want to play for the Boyhood Club, the team that I support. And hopefully just get promotion and even playing now it's just it's just amazing feeling every time I just touch the grass or touch the pitch it just it just words can't describe this. I think you have to be in my shoe to sort of feel the emotion and feeling. And that's why when I'm on the pitch, whether I play rubbish, I play great, the passion still comes out. And that's one thing that I'm feeling compared to other teams. It's just the passion. I can just feel it coming out of me. Whether I play rubbish or Play amazing! Just, the passion is just coming out, you know. So it's like I've got nothing to fear, especially when you know you've got the supporters behind you. It's just it's the best feeling. Brilliant,
1: Glenn. Do you want to come in and 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 speak to Albert? Ask Albert a question.
4: Yeah, I'm. I'm just when he was talking about the penalty, I just wondered what goes through a footballer's mind. You know, when you're <laughs> really on the spot, and you know it's down to you. I mean, it must be totally. Nerve-wracking, or is it? Or do you just sort of become very... At the end of the day, you just have to stay focused. And
0: if you're called upon on to take a pen, you just have to think that you're going to score because no-one thinks that they're going to miss. Because on the day, it might be you not kicking a right or maybe the keeper will just have a good day and save your shot. But the main thing is, it's nerve-wracking because it's just you and the keeper and then the supporters behind the goal. So really, when you're at home... I think it's a bit easier, even though there's still pressure for the team, the home team to win. But when you've got the supporters behind you, it's easier. For me, for example, when I'm stepping out and I'm hearing the name, like my name being sung, it puts more pressure on me because now it's like. Oh, well,
4: yeah, I can imagine it does. You know, so
0: i rather, I'll be honest with you, I'd rather the supporters don't sing my name. So at least when I score, they can cheer. Whereas if they sing my name, it's like they're already cheering. So if I miss, <laughs> It's like, what happens
4: then? Yeah, a bit you you know? All yeah, right, next time we play a penalty, I'll go shh to everybody.
0: Uh, well, the other, well, the other night against Robin I thinking, don't sing my name now, you know. Don't sing my name now. Let me just score first and then sing. So, I think it's different feelings. And sometimes it depends on the moment of the game. If it's during play, if you're up 1-0 and you're stepping up to take penalty, there's no pressure because you know you're already up 1-0. But when you're losing where well, I've been in a position before, when a team is 1-0 down, you have to take a pen to equalise. I think that's more pressure than even just scoring a winning pen. Right. And when you're losing and you take a pen, like just, for example, Charlie Austin scored a pen against Bristol. I think that's more of a pressure pen because you need to
4: come back in the game to win the game. You know? Right, OK. So you never fancied doing a Rodney Marsh then, as far as penalties are concerned? Oh, no, 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 no. I (laughs) want to tell my Rodney Marsh story because, you know, you know when the goal that never was was brought in VAR? Yes. I got asked to do talk radio or something like that. And I'd been away touring, I think maybe in America, right? And then the, the day after I got back, I had to get up all jet lagged and do the radio thing. And when you do these radio things, they want you on the line, you know, 10, 15 minutes beforehand to make sure you're there. I'm all jet lag nursing a coffee. And-, <laughs> and all the people on the program, oh And I'd said who's doing who's hosting the show? And it was Roddy Marsh, which made me want to do it because uh, you know, he was my hero when I was a kid. Uh, yeah. Right. And they're talking about the goal that never was. I hadn't seen it. And I'm thinking to myself, how oh, the blinking owl am I going to get out of this? <laughs> and they played anything in the UK And they said Rodney marsh Ladies and gentlemen Is Glenn Matlock Right And it came to me I said Rodney This goal that never was yeah. Never mind that one He said what do you mean I said well when I was a lad And I think maybe he was in the third division Because yeah, I started supporting him When I was in the third division And then they won the league cup And went up in consecutive seasons Some midweek game You yeah. won a penalty You put the ball on the spot you walk back, you adjusted your boot, you run up, swung it at the goalkeeper, save. I said, but he hadn't saved the ball. He saved your boot that had somehow come out. <laughs> he was lying on the ground. You slotted ball in the other corner. I said, look, I was a young kid. Do I remember that right? He said, no, i have forgotten about that, but that is what happened. I said, well, what happened? He said, well, the referee was in a total state of apoplexy. didn't know what to do. And he made me take it again. But really, he said, the the goal should have stood. And he said, I took it again. He said, and I scored. I said, did you do that deliberately? And Rodney went, might have.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Ian, can I bring you in? Um, Just, uh, What would you like to say to to Unks?
3: Well, I mean, it's been great watching you play. But I I was wondering, because you're sort of playing like a wingback role now. Do you, is it like, does the sort of, The boss says to you before the game, right, today you're more of a back and today, or or this game, you're more of a winger. So is it more like, before the game, is it like you have got to play more defensively today, you're going to play more attacking today, depending on who you're up against?
0: Well, as you know, Ian, you said it, because at the moment, I'm a win-back. So once it's stated that you're a win-back, that's the position you have to stay. It's not a change of formation or the plan changes. It's literally beginning or We work on it all week. Where yeah. you know, as a player, you're going to play in certain position. And at the moment, I'm playing right wing-back. As you know, I'm the only winger left at the club. Yeah. You know, because I was actually, I think, fourth trace, right wing-back position, because we had, we had we don't really play with any wingers. So for me, I had to wait for my turn. And at the moment, I know that's my position. Obviously, I want to play more advanced, but that's how the team is playing. That's the shape of playing at the moment. But when I do get my opportunity to go forward, I think that's where I show that. I think most supporters see that, yes, he's a winger because it's more direct, take on players and cross the ball and trying to assist. And I think that's that's the position I have to adapt to. And I think I'm doing that at the moment. Obviously, I can improve in certain aspects and defend him because I don't really like tackling but now i think i've done more tackles than i hold back for you know so oh, yeah. <laughs> you know that it shows that i'm still learning so it doesn't really matter what age you are in any work of life you know you can still learn and adapt and i think that's what i'm doing at the moment right when back
3: like, so you're very much learning that position and you're basically like okay i'm i could try and work out how to make this 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 position work for you and work for the team at the moment then
0: no definitely because if in lot of my first season when i was um here i We did play more with wingers and I did play and then the team wasn't really adapting to how the manager wanted us to play. So he adapted to a back five with the backs, and that's where, obviously, as a manager, he has to sacrifice players to obviously pick the players that will help the team. And I think from then, when I was on the bench, I was watching the likes of um, Aussie Lee Wallace, Todd Kane, And I was just seeing how they're playing. And even that, I was learning the process. Even though I wanted to play, I was still learning how they defend, how they go forward, you know. And for me, watching someone like Lee Wallace, because he's more similar to my age, you know, same age as me. Yeah. You never tell that he's that old, you know, the way he's playing. Just like how I'm getting great applauded saying that, oh, Albert looks 10 years younger and whatnot. I was watching it from Lee Wallace, how he was very direct going forward. Maybe he might not be great at 1v1, but still he's still going forward, creating chances, setting up goals. And I thought to myself, look, if he can do it,
4: yeah. why can't yeah. I do
0: it? No, not, not being critical, but it's if right. you're watching a th- teammate do something that you think he can do, then why not? Especially when he's the same age as me, not maybe Aussie or Toddy or even... um. No, at the moment, but I actually looked up to Lee Wallace and I said his commitment to the team was just unbelievable last season. And even this season just come back from injury. And for me, I think that's where I put worked to myself. If I get that chance to play right wing back, if an old man like Lee can play, I can play as well. You know? And that's 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 how sometimes you have to be competitive in the team. I know we don't play in the same left wing back, but he plays the opposite, I play on the other Blank. So I think I actually looked, looked up to Lee Wallace, if I'm honest with you, and I thought, you know what, if you can do it, yes, he's a bad defender then, you don't get me wrong, but I'm still learning to defend, like I said. But if you can run up and now, why can't I do it? Not just the young ones like Ozzy Mode running up and now. And I think that's where I've learned my trade from, watching my teammates play, you know, and just picking up, picking up from their games as well. Brilliant.
1: Paul, do you want to come in with a question
0: for Albert?
2: When you sort of, we, speak to, we spoke to Weeman Dunn earlier on the season and other players during the course of the season, there seems to be a special bond between this, these players. And I, and I guess you're an experienced player. That is that organic in a dressing room or is it just because this group of players has gone through a couple of seasons together with COVID and everything else and kind of just come out of it together and it's kept this unity? What, what's so special?
0: And um, Paul, I think you um said it all really. I think the main thing is I think we gel together as a team and I think we got a right blend of experienced players and young players. And as as you know, in the past few years, QPR is like a platform club for younger players to step up and obviously the club just do their business from there, you know, you do well, you move on. And I think like now, as you can tell in the in this team now, the current team, we've got maybe five key assets. Whereas in the past it's always that like one or two, one or two. We've got so many young assets now that the club are thinking that, you know what, instead of selling them, why don't you keep them here, do well, and then maybe you might be in a promised land with QPR. And I think at the moment that's what's happening. Everyone is doing well. It does my young or old. And I think the blend is quite right. And I think for me, speaking from experience, I haven't been in a changing room happier than this. You know, even when we weren't doing great last season, everyone was still lifting everyone, wanting people to do well, encouraging people in the positions and everything. And it's not often you see that in the changing room, because when someone's not playing, it's more like disappointment, hoping that maybe their colleague fails. But whereas here, I can just see it's, it's just different. Everyone just encourages people. I know there's
4: competition for places, but encouragement from players to like, just oh, something it, it, it seemed to change halfway through last season which kind of coincided with Austin coming back is that a, a sort of a fair appraisal of the way things went or
0: yeah no it's a, it's a fair um Glenn it's a fair um appraisal because for me when when we're sort of struggling last season that's when I think the key signing was Chaz. And when he came in straight away, he was scoring goals, made big difference. And ever since then, it hasn't changed. Yes, we have got Dykes, we got Andre, we got um, Macabat, who left. But I think with the front three that we have now, it just we know that any one of them can score goals. But now, it just for me personally, if they if one of them just one, it don't have to be two, all three of them. Even if just one can get into double figures, I think we've got a good chance. You know, because in every promotion team, if you've got a striker in double figures, that means you've got a good chance because sometimes you might go away to, like, Stoke, but you might, need, you might need that one goal where your striker will just pull it out of the bag. You know, you yeah. might not play well, but for me, if one of our strikers can reach double figures, that then we've got a good chance. But if it's all three of them, then that would be amazing, you know? So I think with Chaz coming, helped, Andre's here as well now, with his quality, he would definitely improve the team. And it's held... That's he
4: scored when he turned round a few games back. I can't remember it. Was yeah, game. so obviously
0: we need, to see, we need to see more of that as well. More of know? that, yeah.
4: Uh, perhaps they yeah. should play backwards a bit more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't <think. laughs> I don't know if that's a compliment or, you know... <laughs> you
4: put, put your shirt on the wrong way around. Say well. <laughs> oh, I don't see that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: like how, uh, do you, Glenn,
1: how do you, Glenn, how do you... I mean, you've been seeing QPR... The donkeys now. <clears throat> How do you rate this team, and and what chance do you think we've we we've, we've got going? On?
4: Oh I I think um, yeah, I've been I've seen some great QPR teams, and I've seen some not quite happening ones, you know, and like it's been a bit kind of disheartening, and now we come through that again, and I I think we're kind of pretty much as good as when that original team when I started seeing them. It's, it, you know, it's when you kind of know most of the names of the players, which at one stage it was hard to keep track of them because there was <laughs> people coming and going. I mean, I can still pretty much name the the League Cup final team. You know, so, so that's kind of. Um, but I suppose you do that when you're you're a kid. The, the only one drag was, I, you know, when I started touring a bit more, and now it's like rock and roll, and and football go hand in hand and it didn't for a bit you know and when you're you're touring and you're abroad and I kind of missed the whole you know when we nearly won the old first division for a little bit I was away somewhere and it was a bit of a drag and then I got back onto it again but I did make up for it by actually playing five or six a side at Wembley at some charity game and Stan Bowles played on my team it's fantastic no it, that, yes, that's, amazing.
0: that's amazing
4: it, it was great and was he, and he, he was a right character, and all. I mean, I'm not going to say what was going on, but and, and you know what was so funny because like everybody was playing on on wood, and there was about two pairs of knee pads for the for the um the goalkeepers, and there was a couple of big dressing rooms, we the, yeah change rooms. We was in one, and there was another one, and all of a sudden the door opened, right. <laughs> And he went, um, do you know Kenny Lynch? He was a singer. In fact, I, I saw him down the ranges a few seasons back. When he was oh, yeah. Him. And he was like sort of a professional cockney. Everybody loved Kenny Lynch. And he put his hand around the door and he went, who are you? I said, I'm Glenn. He said, I'm Kenny. I said, I know who you are. He said, who's your goalkeeper? And I said, well, it's that guy over there, Why?" And he said, um, and, and um, also, I have a Peter Benetti was in our dressing room playing for somebody else. Um like that. And I, he said, why? And he said, well, I'm to get some knee pads. I said, well, you'll be lucky because they're like in, you know, they're in Dibana, the There's only a couple. He said, what's your, your bloke's name? I said, Steve. He said, watch this. And he went up to her and he went, Steve, me old mate. How you doing? Blah, 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 blah. He walked out with the knee pads. It was fantastic. It was <laughs> Brilliant. was really, really good. That was, one of, that was one of the highlights of my career. I, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> and Steve knew the guitarist were the Rich Kids. I, I stepped into the D and gave away a penalty. He was playing against the stranglers. And they had Ralph, every team had a professional player and they had Ralph Coates playing for them. And he took the penalty and Steve saved it. And yeah. I said, how do you blink your money? And Ralph Coates was really miffed. I said, how do you manage that? And Steve said, oh, I used to play in golf for Westminster Schoolboys, didn't I? I didn't, I didn't, didn't realise that. So <laughs> it was
1: true. Brilliant. So, Ian... Um, what, 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 when did you first start going? And how do you rate this team <clears throat> with Albert in it, of course? You know, <laughs> yeah,
3: the 80s. The 80s a bit. And then, you know, a lot more in the 90s. Um, yeah, I think it's a great... So I love it. I mean, again, I've just... I have to say, since Mark Warburton's taken over, I've just loved watching them. Like, I, I mean, you, know, you don't really become a QPR fan, I think, for the sort of glory. You're in it for the, something about the club and, the, you know, watching the, the games and, and all that. And I think... The past few years I've just really enjoyed watching the games and I love going. And then actually weirdly, I've probably watched more games in the past couple of years because yeah, I can watch home and away on the you know on the TV thing with uh, Nick and Andy Sinton doing the commentary. And um I, I mean I love this team, I love it. I just again it's they all say it's the hope, uh, not the despair that kills you, of course. <laughs> so that's a slight that's a slight issue at the moment. Every time I look at the check the um the league table, I'm like, that's
2: very, very high up there. That's not I'm not used
3: to Shouldn't we be 16? We're supposed to be 16. I uh, don't 16. say that. Don't
0: say
4: that. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. Listen, I'm
3: not, I'm, no, I'm trying to catch it. No, I think and it's, you know, and it's I just think it's a great team. And again, it's like, you know, you I'm saying when you know the names, the names of the players, and you, you feel like there's goals throughout that team. You know, was it um you know, Rob Dickey getting four at the beginning of the season, and it was like top scorer and you know, having a shot the other day and stuff? But it's yeah, just it's it's great. And it's great to see players, you know being creative, I think. that's what I think that's what I... You, know, you, feel, you feel that across the whole team. You feel like, you know, when Rob Dickey gets the ball, don't quite know what's going to happen. He's, you know, you could just play a normal pass. You could be bringing it out defence. And, you know, obviously, you know, Willock and Chair. And, you know, and I, I, I'm a Scotland fan. My mother's Scottish, so I grew up watching the Scottish <laughs> national team. So even in the summer, I was supporting Scotland over England. So seeing Lyndon Dykes do so well has it's been, it's been fantastic. And that, you know, I think that... I, you know, it's, it's terrible to admit, Albert, but I kind of on the Rotherham game. I was watching. And I was like, oh, give this is it?" And it's just classic. Keep going out in the third, you know, third. <laughs> I see. You know, one nil down, extra time. I was like, "I see it." I mean, it's just like it happens in <laughs> all kinds. It and, it, uh, and it, was, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, and that was the difference. That was the difference with this team. I felt it wasn't. It wasn't the in end. You know, a great crowd and a great head. Like you know, Lindelof put himself right in there, and it was. I was like, oh, this is this isn't what I expected. This is this is a different team that's doing things differently for QPR.
4: Yeah, we 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 seem to keep going a lot more than we used to. You yeah. know.
1: Well, you don't, Albert. You don't seem to know when you're beaten. Um yes. right. I mean, obviously, Bristol City. I won't say that's our best performance of the season. I think you'd be hard pressed to say anybody would be hard pressed to say it was. But we didn't know when we were beaten. We 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 came back and and um that's been and and Rotherham the same. I mean, that, that, it, it seems as well as being getting on very well together. It seems you've got that belief within the squad, Albert.
0: No, definitely. And especially when you're um, one nil down, you always come and you come back to win. That just shows character. And I think that's what we have in the team, you know, just knowing that if you concede, we can score, you know, and to win as well is just the best feeling. And I think at the moment, we're just in a good place at a good time. And like um, Ian said, we're in a good position where most of the supporters didn't even expect that we can probably the top six you know at this moment in time we've we've halfway gone through the season and we're in the right position and at the moment we're only chasing the top two or the top three at the moment so um I think we can do that you know I'm not just saying that because you guys are here I'm very passionate and you know I'm committed and I'm sure the team are too and I just believe that we can push for the automatic but I know it's still early because we've still got about twenty games left so we just have to keep our momentum and then push for automatic. Why not? And worst case, we just finish in the playoff and then go play our finals. yeah so
2: awesome. again. We've done that before. The, yeah. the thing i happened is, though, but I'll tell you, what, I knew this team arrived, and it made me proud. And I don't really like you're a professional player. It's winning is a, it's, it's in your head, it's in your instinct, it's, it's part of your DNA. But the experience we've had this season, especially when you that, that goal at Birmingham when you stood with the fans and you danced with the fans and you connected with the fans that was the old QPR that we all grew up with that we all fell in love with and we lost that for a little while because we had a, the, the mercenaries as I call them coming in not really kind, not really getting it I'll swap anything to have a team like this because you get it even with Jimmy Dunn in the podcast who came from Ireland like myself but he gets it he understands the QPR philosophy it, it seems like it's a it's a bug that everyone catches and walks in that dressing room and that, Give me that nine out of ten times more than a £10 million player. I just love the way he's gelling his team together.
4: Do, do, you, oh, think, yeah. do you think, like, Warburton's well, got a lot to do with... I mean, he obviously, is making sort of tactical decisions and who should play against the opposing team, and he's done all that. But is he the kind of guy who sort of instils fun? I mean, I loved it when Venables was managing him years ago. It just seemed like... He wanted them to have a laugh and enjoy their football when they were doing it. And it, it kind of rubbed off. You know, I know when you're in a band and you're doing a gig and you've got to promote a record and everybody's really uptight. Yeah. Oh, you know, everybody's got to love this. You seem kind of a bit desperate. But when they have a laugh, it kind of rubs off on people and they enjoy it more. And you enjoy it more and, and you play better because of that. I mean, is there a similar thing goes on in football.
0: I think it's, it depends what kind of personality you are as a manager, you know, as a boss, should I say. If you're a fan boss, I guess all your employees will probably be happy, jolly. But if you're a mean boss, they probably think, why well, am I working for you? So I think sometimes you have to have the balance. And I think with um, uh, Gaffer, he has the balance of being obviously fun and then obviously being very focused and determined. And I think it's just the discipline that he has installed in the team that I think rubs off off on people. And at the moment, I think we're all gelling well together. And like you're saying, he's the boss. He formulates the plan. And I think the players just have to execute it. Basically, just go out there and perform because he can only pick the best eleven that he believes in. And sometimes, if you're a player, it doesn't matter who you are, whether you're old or young, you want to play. So I guess if you're not an 11, you'd be disappointed. But with this current team... When you're disappointed, not a lot of players that I've seen here show that they're disappointed, which is a good thing. But at the same time, you might think, well, he's not bothered. But I think everyone's bothered. Everyone wants to play. Everyone wants to be in a good place. And I think that's why sometimes it helps the team because even though people are disappointed, they don't show it too much because they want their colleagues to do well. And I think that helps. So I think with the manager formulating the plan, and for me, I always say this, the manager can pick the worst team but still, the players have to perform. The manager can pick the best team. The best team has to perform. So it's down to the individual players. Because at the end of the day, the boss can only pick players. He's not playing for myself. He's not playing for the players. So I always say this. It's always down to the players. Because if I was an owner and the team weren't doing well, I will sack all the players. I would sack the boss. Seriously.
4: <laughs> how, did, how did you find out? If you've been selected, did he pin it up on the board? The <laughs>
0: oh, once again, I don't know, with with this current manager or throughout my career? I think you're talking
4: oh, about, about both. I'll I, I tell you for why, because I used to play for a kid's side up in Wilsden called the Penguins, and they run about six sides, and <laughs> I was like one of the younger ones. But you played all right. The the way the guy who was managing the team, Reg Turner, I seem to remember his name was, <laughs> He would say, if he was going to play next week, he would let you wash your shirt yourself. And if he wasn't going to play next week, he said, oh, I'll wash that for you. And that's <laughs> I, I wonder if they do the same thing. You
0: know? well, it's not the same. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll use two managers, for example. So I use an old manager that I played for. He actually picks the team on the match day when we're doing the team meeting. Well, his mm. first team meeting, that's where he picks his 11. But maybe three or four players know that they're playing. So he always keeps players in suspense. So really, you should be sleeping early because you never know if you're going to play or not. So really, it's down to the individual to prepare. Whereas maybe if you know that you're starting on a Monday, you probably think, oh, it doesn't matter what time I sleep. But at least if you don't know you're starting, then it's like, oh, I need to do everything right. Well, well, you should do everything right. But sometimes when you leave it to the last minute, I think some players are a bit desperate to know whether they're playing or not. So maybe it could affect them. But with this gaffer at the moment, he doesn't pick the team on the match day, by the way. But maybe around midweek, sort of when we do the team shape, we sort of know eight eight players, I think which is reasonable because then the other two sort of guess, but they sort of have an inkling. But if you're not starting, I think it depends who you are, he might tell you. Or if you're playing consistently, then maybe you might say, look, Albert, this game we might need to rest you because you're likely to get injured. I think that's where, obviously, the man-to-man management skills come in, you know, because he's the boss. So he decides if I play too many games or maybe this game is not for me because I'm going to come against a tricky winger. So I think that's the only difference with some managers. They'll tell you maybe three days before the game or maybe on the match day with managers that I worked with.
4: Uh, I, I'm just wondering if that's why, because he knew he was probably going to be playing all the time. Stan Bowles was always going to get a game, so that's why he could afford to be in the bookies half hour before <laughs> the story. Probably, probably. <laughs> I
1: think, yeah, I think.
4: A, if, I get if, ideas.
1: <laughs> if
4: you were the manager,
1: Albert, apart from the goalkeeper, who would be the first name on your T-shirt uh, on your team sheet? I'm putting you on the spot
0: here. On oh, no, a path goalkeeper. Why can't yes. I put my goalkeeper in? My favorite well send this my I don't know if um you know Glenn and um Ian at the moment um super um Diang is my favorite um player at the moment for QPR, you know. Yeah. So I always have the favorite player like every you did season. Last night. Clean sheet last night.
3: You got a clean sheet yesterday, didn't he? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It, yeah, he did today actually. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So he's my favorite. Um Keep your player at the moment because last season I thought he done unbelievable yeah. with the lads of Rob Dickey and Lee Wallace. So for me, since I've
4: been here, he's been amazing and he's my favourite player. So if I had to, his distribution—it's not just saving goals. He's quite tactical the way he distributes the nah, ball. Definitely,
0: definitely, and he he kept up some games as well, loads of games. Not just the back five defending and whatnot. But I think if I had to pick the team, you're putting me on the spot. I'm sorry. Obviously, I can't include myself. So I'll just say um, I'll revert back to maybe beginning of the season because the team was doing so well fantastically. So i say like the back four of Lee Wallace, um, I think it was Johan, um, Jordy, Rob Dickey and Moses. And also in the midfield, Steph. I think I believe it was Dom, Elias, yeah. Chris and Dykesy. I believe it was. I don't know if I missed someone out. Carly, so, I think you have mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it was, was Dykesy and Chaz beginning the season. I'm not sure if it was two strikers playing. I can't even remember now. But I think if I have to miss out, then I, I, I start I right. like, yeah, so I'll start off. I think you're right. Yeah, so I'll start off with a team that started the season. That was just unbelievable. They were just too good. No, no other team could stop them. You know, And that's, that's, that's my honest opinion.
1: If I could just jump in for one more, one thing that did surprise me with you, because I mean, you're by, by some distance the youngest person on this podcast. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's not saying much, to be fair, but um, you've basically played three games in a row now, started every game. In um, football terms, you're still, you're still young, but you're probably older than some of the other guys. Um, how, do you, how do you manage to keep that level of fitness when you're powering up and down the wing?
0: I mean, it's just um, looking after yourself, you know, just trying to keep up with the young, younger ones now, you know. And for me, everywhere I've been, apart from the football side, technical side, I've never played for no academy. One thing that I recognise and realise in football is you need to be fit. And for me, that's the advantage that I've always had. Every club that I've been... I'm not just saying that because I'm a key PR. For being a winger, every team that I've been at, I've played for a reason because I'm one of the fittest in the club. So if for me, I always give myself a target. If I reach whatever club, it doesn't matter my age, I want to be in the top five of the fitness guy there. And I think that's what I've achieved in every club that I've been I've been at. And even with QP, I'm always one of the fittest. And the stats will never lie. Because if I was to show you the stats, forget football passing. If I was to show you the stats, I'd probably be in the top three, like distance covered, high intensity. And that's one thing that I pride myself in doing, just to be in the team. And if you if you got that above your colleagues, then that's a bonus. And then the rest will take care of itself. If the manager trusts you, that's first and foremost, the rest will um take care of itself. That's something I've always believed in. If you're fit, if you want to be one of the fittest at the club, you always got a chance.
1: Brilliant. Ian, do you want to come back in again? Do you, go, do you watch a lot of football,
0: Albert? Like, for,
3: like, either for fun or for, you know, professionally to look at opponents and stuff like that? Do you, do you enjoy watching football? Again, it's, I, people always ask me for comedy recommendations for TV shows. And I'm normally like, I don't, to be
0: honest, I don't really watch it. <laughs> it's, it's um, I mean, like, for me, obviously, I watch football because that's my environment. I watch it because just to see other players, what they do, especially, like, when I used to play wing, I used to watch other wingers just to see how they beat players maybe with a step over, with a shimmy, half a yard, cross the ball, just to get ideas really. But I wouldn't really go out my way just to watch football for the sake of watching it. For me, if it's on, I'll watch it. But I wouldn't just flick, I wouldn't tell myself, oh, my United is playing against Man City. I need to be back home and watch it. I'm not like that. If I'm home and it's on, I'll watch yeah. it. But then, Who, if are the Who are the wingers
3: that you, uh, that you like particularly? Who are the sort...
0: Funny enough, I don't know if um, QPR supporters will be happy with me, oh. but uh, <laughs> Duffy, Duffy for Chelsea and Fulham, you know, and he was amazing. He was a left foot footer and Solomon Kalu. And the reason why I'm saying Chelsea, I know some QPRs don't want to hear the name Chelsea because my brother support Chelsea. And every time when Chelsea was on, he put it on. And I used to just watch them because, obviously, I was just seeing what Solomon Kalu used to do on the wing, Maluda. I'm not watching Chelsea to support them, but I, I used to watch not. Duffy <laughs> to see Robin just to see. And at the, at the time, Chelsea were decent. I'm not going to lie to you. They were decent. They had, like, one of the best wingers in the league, you know, at the time. And for me, I've been watching Messi, Ronaldo, when Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, was on the wing as a winger just to see how direct dynamic he was you know just to see if I can pick something from his game and obviously I'm not on the same level as him but just watching Mm -hmm. other wingers sometimes sort of inspires you as a footballer well as for myself I like to watch skills as well I'd rather watch skills than watch a footballer I know this might sound stupid but I don't know Ian if you follow me on social media yeah yeah do yeah yes yes if you follow me on social media you see that in my spare time, literally, I just do skills for the younger yeah. you know, generation so they can see that a real footballer, a professional footballer, can actually juggle with a football, not just kick on the match day. They can actually express themselves using the football. And that's one thing that I want to show the youngsters. You know, well, the- yeah, but that's
3: something I was going to ask you about social media as well. Because I guess when you started, it probably wasn't such a sort of prevalent thing. Whereas now... You know, you're on it a lot and it's great. I love your sort of the soccer schools and that kind of thing. But do you find it? I mean, again, for me, when I mean, if I'm making a show or something, I'll sometimes go on social media and be like, oh God, I'm gonna to go to bed for five days because everyone you got a duck. So, you know, there's 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 the there's the positive and the negative of social media. How do you how do you cope with that? Or do you not does it not sort of water for duck's back? You don't really worry about it.
0: Now, for me, social media, like you're saying before, back in well, I will say back in my day, but I'm still playing. So I guess, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess sort of, time sort of um, evolves, you know. So it's just the generation up and coming. And for me, I'm not one that really I know I'm on social media, but I'm not really pride on myself using it 24/7. It's just more spare time, do something, promote yeah. it, and leave it. Because I remember even six years back. I wasn't even on social media. And everyone said, like, how come? I was just on Facebook. Speak to my friends. Lock off. Speak to my friends. So I don't really get involved with supporters, especially, you know, like nowadays, Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, yeah. After a match, I remember when I was at Villa, after a match, literally, no word of the light, Ian, we come in the changing room. Every player get their phone out. No. And literally go on social media. I'm thinking... What's this world come to? I don't know because I'm older than most of the players, but literally that's the first thing they think. Once the managers finish the team talk, whether we win lose, every player's thinking, where's my phone? And then before you know it, social media, oh, thanks for coming to the game, supporters, amazing game, oh, bad day at the office. So I'm thinking, wait, hold on. We just finished the game. The manager's just done the team talk. You just mm-hmm. played in front of 40,000. And now you're just going to report back to them what you just done. I'm sure every supporter seen that you had a bad game or you just had a great game. And I think that's where sometimes some players go wrong because I think they're inviting maybe unwanted criticism. And I think that's where it all starts. I think that's where it all starts because you're actually opening yourself up. Because if you play well, everyone knows you play well. If you play bad, everyone knows you play bad. So why put yourself in the light for people to put you down you know and that's that's the negative side for me that's one thing i just think some players should just stay away from it you know it's it's just, it's just more like personal life it's not work because when you finish work for me once i finish my work that's me done
3: yeah
0: if you see my social media maybe one percent might be about work stuff you know even our victory i didn't put nothing about it the penalties you know, just moments where you pick and you think, "I'll just put this moment," because people will see it, your audience will see it, so no point putting it there for you to be criticized and to be criticized. So I think that's where I think players have to be careful sometimes. I've
2: Especially got an idea: Albert, I've got an idea for social media, which will make you very <laughs> popular, which will make you very popular with QPR fans. The next time your brother pops around and watchs Chelsea, cut <laughs> the plug. Yeah. just take the plug out or throw the TV through the window.
0: Whatever. (laughs) by by the way listen you know when you have a sibling you always fight and fight and fight my brother he said obviously he's older than me so at the time we used to fight each other so much why are you watching this rubbish team but at the end of the day he had the final say because he was the older and i had to respect him so obviously he was watching the team so i had to just watch it just obviously learn as i
2: say purse scissors or a window
0: Happy days, I've got, uh, <laughs> but now you can't come to my house and say let's
1: watch Chelsea. There's no Chelsea game. Going on. <laughs> no Chelsea game. Well, Glenn in the Sex Pistols, you had uh, Steve Jones and uh, uh, Steve Steve uh, Steve Jones and Paul Cook. They were both Chelsea fans, weren't they? <laughs>
4: well, they, they they were. I I, was, I spoke to Steve Jones about this, and he said he was never really a Chelsea fan. He just used to go to football. You know, he would go to yeah, Chelsea, yeah. Fulham, or the Rangers. Love. The you know, liked them all equally, but when he moved to LA, it was hard to see the Rangers and Fulham on the on the telly. So he would watch Chelsea. Paul, on the other hand, when we played Chelsea and there was that bit of trouble with, with John Terry and stuff, we we was winning like two and a half time. He left. I mean, he was sitting next to me. I, Chelsea because they were doing well, they weren't used to losing. I was, and he was terrible he went I thought (laughs) it's not very sporting you know Um, know because you know that thing with Rodney Marshall's boat earlier on the game moved down the other end and there was a little fracas with Austin who hadn't long joined the the, the team then and I remember Austin sort of almost picking up Terry who was supposed to be a bit of a hard nut picking them up and turning them over. Yeah, Well, did I remember that right? And it came up online not long ago, and he did. You know, most yeah, people watched yeah. the ball was down the oven. I thought, I like this bloke. He's, <laughs> he's having no nonsense whatsoever. And, and he'd not long sort of moved up the grade to playing for the Rangers, you know, when he was not exactly John Terry's standard back then, you know, so I thought I was so Do so you know what, Glenn? If if that
2: gave me talking about it, John Terry did his best to avoid Clint Hill and Paddy Kenny, all that game, because they seemed to have it in for him. And um, he he managed to swerve them all the time. So there you go. To be The hardest player I've ever seen is obviously Alan McDonald. And Martin Allen was quite tasty as well, a QPR on Mark Dennis. But they were proper. You know, they didn't they didn't have to go out and try and pretend to be. They were what they were. I mean, these days, they wouldn't send a pitch longer than three seconds.
4: Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I remember when we got... We either got promoted to the second division or we got through to the the League Cup final and I was in the boys pen back then and everybody running a pitcher weren't really supposed to but I shook hands with Jimmy Langley right and he Ooh. was like a brick kind of you know some old kind of bloke and he was just like solid rock and my dad always used to say he was quite bandy-legged that bloke couldn't stop a pig in a passage <laughs> 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 well, guys funny.
1: we're going to start wrapping up in a minute
2: um, but I'll up- Chris, before you do that, can I just ask Albert yes, a
1: question? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, did you get
2: Did you get Keith Strode a Christmas card? <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh, this is some in joke going on here. I know. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, no, no, nah, nah, I didn't get no card. No. <laughs> 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 it's probably the only card
2: a QPR f- player didn't get from Keith Strode. Anyway, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so what
1: we're going to do now? Thanks so much, Albert, for staying on for so long. I really appreciate yeah, it. No problem. No, no. So before we're going to do go, rest- Albert, we're going to do Sorry. West Brom predictions, first of all. Um, so you don't have to join in if you don't want to, Albert. That's fine. I'll start. I'm going to go. I had a dream we won 1-0. Um, and my dreams never come true, but I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say 1-0. <laughs> Ian? 3-1, keep
4: you on. Wow. Glenn? Yeah. I'm going for 2-1. I think it'll be a close game, but I think we'll,
1: okay.
4: we'll, um, we'll pinch it. Cool.
2: I, I think we'll end up with Albert and Gaul.
0: Oh, I don't say <laughs>
2: <see> that. <laughs> and I think he will save, he will save absolutely everything and we'll win 4 0. Absolutely oh, wow. not a problem. Brilliant.
4: Do, do you guys sort of practice, take the turning goal in case you, well, you know, yeah. if, if, if our guy got injured earlier on in the game, we would have come a bit unstuck the other day.
0: Yeah, I think probably Dax is the tallest, so he would probably go and go. by
4: Rush Goalie, used to go. Yeah,
0: it. You, can't, you can't put George Thomas in goal, innit? so you have to go for the tallest player.
4: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Cher wouldn't be quite... <laughs> there you go. Definitely
1: not. Um, okay, we're coming to now what we call the R's end. So that is the last part of the show where everyone can have their little say, something that hasn't been said yet. Um, I <clears throat> Excuse me. Paul normally goes last, but on this occasion, he'll have to go after me. Um, my one's um, is, is a question for Glenn, Really, um, it's 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 kind of all my dreams come true, really, on this podcast because I've got a creator of one of my favorite shows, got one of my favorite players ever at QPR, and I've got a member of one of my favorite all-time bands. So I'm, I'm slightly starstruck. But
2: um, what about the flowers from Barnet?
1: Oh yeah, and, and finished finish flowers from Barnet. So Glenn, 1976. You've already mentioned Stan Bowles. You, you, you're sort of you're, you're hitting the ground running with the pistols. I mean. Must have been an amazing time to be alive, both as, as a musician and, and a football fan for you.
4: Yeah, it was. I mean, coupled with that, and I don't know what it's like being a football, but I, I would have thought it was a similar kind of thing. In that, you know, you're a young man, you're you're trying to find your way in the world, you're trying to see how you fit in with things, you're trying to get on with people, you're trying to do something artistically. When it starts coming together. It, yeah it, it is a buzz you know and you pick up a following and you tend to think oh i did anyway that it's like that for everybody but of course looking back it, it's not so you only sort of realize how privileged you are in retrospect a little bit you know because normally you're just in the eye of a hurricane you're getting on with it really
1: but what, what was it like just um just this is the last last question for me i promise What's it like being a member of the Sex Pistols in those days, like the most notorious band in the world, and in some ways they still are? Um,
4: it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was a giggle. I mean, what what I felt like, you ever seen, I always say this when people ask me this, but, you know, the Blues Brothers movie, and they get out of jail, and there's a scene where they go to some bar or, and they want to find one of their old band members. And Rita Franklin's playing the blo- the woman behind the bar. And, you know, not you guys, your bad news. And they, can we leave, leave a message for Zeke or whatever his name is? who's not there at the time. And they go, yeah, well, you know, what are you going to say? I say, well, tell him, you know, we're getting the band back together. We're on a mission from God. Now, I don't think we was on a mission from God. But I felt we was on a kind of a mission, you know. And when it starts kind of coming together... You you feel you get some kind of reward somehow. But, you know, it looks like you have a laugh and a giggle as you go along, or you try to, but then sometimes bands, personality-wise, aren't exactly (laughs) people you'd all get the buttons together with. (laughs) Yeah,
1: and not much chance of seeing you ever back together again, I wouldn't
4: imagine. It's not looking that way at the moment, (laughs) so I'm not holding my breath. But there's lots of things to do in the wacky world of music. But anyway, can can (laughs) I... Who's playing you in, your, in the Danny Boyle thing? A guy called Christian Lees.
3: Are you happy? Are you like... Yeah, I'm,
4: I met up with him, and I met the guy who was going to play me before, and I quite liked him, and I actually went down and had a jam with the guys and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and um, we'll see. I haven't seen the finished thing yet. It's, it's still being edited. I went down to a couple of filming... Sessions met Danny, Is good. You know, he sort of promised that he's going to be um, kind of fair to everybody in the band. I mean, my worry with things like that is that, you know, were it a docudrama, people see it and they think it's a documentary and it's not. But I think the way Danny's doing it, it's a bit more surreal than that. So it's obviously not a documentary and there's a bit of artistic license with it but it's also not only about the band it's based on steve jones's book you know and you know there was a court case about it and stuff and since steve was the bloke who formed the band in the first place you know i I thought i'd side with steve because he should be allowed to tell his stories we'll see but i think we'll see Quite, quite soon, you know, and I think you're going to be sick of all of this by the end of the year.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I mean,
3: I've read again, I'm such a huge fan. I've read The Rock and Roll Swindle and I've, you know, watched every documentary I can get my hands on and stuff about the Sex Pistols. And, you know, I, I even once when I was younger went to the Three Kings on the Cromwell Road just as a sort of like pilgrimage. Oh, right. So I was like, oh, this is this pub, this is part pub of the Pistols paper. So it's amazing. Oh, yeah.
1: yes. You mean the one, it used to be called the, um... oh, God. Is it King's oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The,
4: it used to be called the Nashville. Nashville, that's oh, yes, it. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the,
1: the
4: Nashville. In fact, I saw when we play kind of regular ish down there, but on the nights we weren't playing, the ACDC was starting out. Yeah, no, I saw them when they were starting out. With the I've Irish. heard of them. Also, <laughs> yeah. they, they, they weren't bad, actually, you know. Brilliant. He's always full of Aussies and Kiwis from Els Court, cool, you know. Yeah,
1: that's right. Um <laughs> right, Paul, uh, your R's end, please.
2: Do you know what? I'm not gonna do one properly. I'm just gonna say um to, to Albert, thank you for um living out our dreams. <laughs> and um you're doing what we all dreamed of doing as a child. And um you're doing it bloody well, fella, honestly. Thank you.
0: Uh, thank you very much, boy. I appreciate that. And hopefully one of the young talents. Or we'll live that dream too one day.
2: Brilliant Yeah, just score a hat trick against Fulham, please. For God's sake, <laughs> can we thrash them?
0: Well, I need to play against them because I still haven't played against them since I've been here. Every time I think I want to play, I don't get a chance to play against them.
2: You know? <laughs> well, that could I be the, different, the job. job.
1: Well,
0: when, that when be- we
2: play them, when we play them at home and you score, Albert, a good celebration in front of the G block, and then nip down to C block where um, Glenn sits, and I uh, have another celebration if you don't mind.
1: Yeah,
0: that'll be amazing. Yeah, that'll be
1: amazing. Don't, don't forget the lower loft. Um, uh, Ian, <laughs> <laughs> your yes. Arzen, please. Uh, No,
3: it's just great. Um, thank you very much for having me on. It's been amazing. Again, like, you know, I'm, you know, such a fan of both Glenn and uh, Albert. And Albert, thanks so much for playing, looking like you're enjoying it. It's just great. It's great to watch. I mean, it's really, it, it makes such a difference, I think, to fans when you're watching players who look like they're, you know, competing and trying, but also enjoying it. And I think it's, you know, some of. It's one of the great things about Loftus Road, I think, I've really missed being there, is you're so close to the pitch. and You can really sort of see what's, you know, what's happening in the players' faces and stuff. And, I'm, you know, it's been, it's been great. Thank you.
4: Oh, no, I, I like going down the Rangers. People say, what's it like that. And I, I think, the, um, compared to some other grounds that are a bit bigger, I think the quality of swearing is the highest. There. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can hear it. There's oh. one bloke in my stand. He's not going <laughs> to drink. You know that bit when he says, oh, if you all of the Rangers stand up, yeah, he yeah. Has it the other way around. He's had a drink. He goes, If you all have the range, sit down. And everybody's going to sit down. <laughs> 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 we just, we're, we're, where
3: our season tickets are, it's not too far from the, where the linesman is the whole time. And there's a bloke oh, there okay. who's in the most wonderful soft abuse all game. And I swear it works. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all, game, all game is like, Oh, linesman, that is a terrible They're, they're, they're mocking you on Sky. <laughs> they're, they're, they're laughing at you on Skylines. Yeah. man. They're just like, you know, he's so tight, he's about two feet behind him. And it's like, That is a because sh- your wife's not going to let you in the room. tonight.
0: <laughs> tonight.
4: It's a shocker. Yeah. And the other thing, my side, and know. I've never, never, never known the guy's name. he got the guy the in, with the sombrero and the Oh, yeah. Who lives for being sung at by the opposing team yeah, in, yeah. The, in the and he loves it, and his rattle comes out. But it was fantastic when there was a game was it Morocco it was Washington yeah. he was there yeah he was there he was supporting
0: um, Ilias he was telling me he follows yeah. Ilias now because it's probably the Who same was,
4: country. Do, we, do we know his
1: name I uh, do and I've say,
0: forgotten
1: it I do and oh, I've, I've forgotten it as well Paul's googling it now I'm telling ah, now. Yeah. I you I a good spell
3: Google good Google. One at QPR between Adel and uh, Ilias Chair it's a pretty good yeah.
4: Yeah. They, yeah. I, I've seen a few little bits and pieces online about are A little bit of talk about Tarap coming back. Is there any word you've heard? Well, I I
0: haven't heard anything, if I'm honest with you. But I think if he was to come, I think it would be a big, big um, boost as well. You know, just for the team itself, it's not even um, for the supporters. I think for the team personally, I think it will be something different because he's not the same, Adele, where Mm. he's got 150 stepovers, nuts people, but (laughs) now he's more reserved and just two-touch you wouldn't even tell if that's the same player he was They're literally two-touch football he
2: you know, was doing deep deep midfield up at the last time i saw him for yeah, holding
0: hold yeah. mid basically he's tackling now he's actually tackling yeah. and the creative players which is just role reverse mate you know what oh <laughs> <laughs> that, that about- the
1: Daffer
3: book there's there's uh it's like the mentions basically it's like Sharon his wife gets about sort of 20 mentions, and I think Adult Tar gets about 150. <laughs> 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 the
2: whole book is about
0: Is that Neil Warner's
2: book?
1: Did you say yeah? Gaffer, yeah. Yeah,
0: but you know <laughs> one story though. You see, Adele, every time I played against him, you never believe this. I always wanted this top. He's one of the QPR players that I couldn't get his top. You know mm. why? It's either I come off, I'm upset, so I'm thinking I'm not asking anyone for their top, or he comes off because maybe he didn't do what he was supposed to do. So every time I came in contact with him, I never got his to top. because one of us were disappointed or yeah. one didn't meet oh, mate, each other.
1: If anyone from the club's listening or anybody knows Adele, Elias Cherry, if you're listening. He
0: does, but it's not the same, though. For me, it's, oh, not, it's, not, uh, it's not the same. Oh. I think when you meet someone in person, they're just like, a bit like, Ebbs, I met him in person because he was my favourite player. And we play the game, end of the game. So, can I have your top, please? They said, Oh, yes, yes. Because he didn't even know I supported QPR. So, I just, Can I have your top, please? They said, Oh, yeah, you can. So, I didn't even know if he took my top. That's how bad I am. I didn't even know if (laughs) Ebbs took my top. (laughs) I I wanted this top, but he didn't even know who I was, basically. But I just, Can I have your top, please? And I just wear his top around. When I was (laughs) in Birmingham, I go out feeding the ducks with my children. I'm wearing Ebbs top around the whole Birmingham, you know. And <laughs> I, see, I see Villa supporters stopping me saying, oh, but why have you got QPR top on? I'm like, that's the team I support. Why can't I wear my top? You know. <laughs> so, yeah, I've got Ebbs top. And then one game, I stopped when I was at Middlesbrough. Um, I stopped after the game. We lost, I think, 1-0. And I stopped by the tunnel and I collected, I think, eight tops, nearly <laughs> the whole Scottish. And I went in the changing room. And obviously, I got abused by my captain. What well, are you effing collecting tops? We just lost the game. And I literally, I just put my head down like this. I didn't even look at the captain. I just put my head down in shame. Like that. But <laughs> like In my head, obviously, I was just joyous thinking, that I've got eight tops, so who cares if we lost or not? I was just like that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a record, actually. I think eight tops or nine tops in one game. <laughs>
1: That is such a good story. Right, Glenn, your R's end. Anything that you haven't said that you want to say, and then we'll let Al have the final word. Not
4: really, but I, this is just a kind of a a life laundry kind of thing. But you want to get a cup of tea at half time and I like my tea quite milky. All <laughs> well, those little tops you have, to, you have to take the top off. You know, you want not put four or five in. Why well, don't they just have a pint of milk on the side? And everybody, get, and everybody else is doing it, you know, and there you go. I think that would be... <laughs> A boom, because people will be back in their seats quicker and <laughs> come on you are and not squeeze in and halfway through you know, the first five minutes of the second half. I think that would be a good move. And I think That's so good. And I you think should pass that on. You know, sometimes I talk to my son L- Louis, you know, and we come up with some kind of idea like that. And how can we pass it on? And we go, Well. A dime, a dime is on instagram perhaps if we write to him perhaps he can pass it <laughs> on to the ground i'm actually
0: going to create a shop now with my own flask i'm 37 so everyone's got it ready made how about Brilliant. that that oh, can
4: solve
1: the go. problem yes. and, uh, <laughs> so and of course glenn you've got your lucky pie as well you mentioned earlier haven't you, 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 you that's what the good runs down to briefly
4: well, I, I think it uh, certainly is. It's the, the old pucker chicken balti pie, and I, I have one. Normally, most games, whether I want one or not, that's how much of a Rangers fan I am. And actually, when the England were playing Italy, there's this sort of friend who writes for um, in Italy for a news agency over there, and she invited me to comment on the game, my predictions for the game, and stuff like that. And have you got a lucky? charm and i said well you know since i'm not going to the game i'll have to nip down my store in the morning and buy a, a puck of chicken balti pie right and then the game was on and stuff like that and we lost and she said what do you think about the game and i said well we lost <laughs> because the, the shop was out of pies <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant
1: okay albert uh it's been an honor for all of us um Thank you so much. And what would you like to say? Uh, final words to, to us, to the QPR fans, whatever you want.
0: Well, the final word that I have to say, literally just uh, thanks for having me, obviously. Thanks for having me. And guys, just keep supporting the team. This year will be our year. And it's just been amazing. Home and away, not just the home games, home and away supporters being amazing. I think that's another reason why the players are all performing as well. It doesn't matter who's starting, who's playing, subs, Everyone included, everyone just up for the fight and up, up for the cause. And I still believe that we're in a good position. I said that before. And I believe that we can actually push on to the automatic zone. And worst case, we're finishing the playoff and then we go Wembley, you know. And I believe we can do it if you guys keep on supporting, keep showing the love to every player, whether they play bad or great, just encourage every player, guys, all the supporters, you know. Just keep supporting us, and then we we do you guys proud. We'd make you guys proud, you know. Oh, fantastic! Right, well, thank Good.
4: you so much, Albert. We'll
0: try our best. Yeah, try your best. Even if you don't like a player, still support him. You know, for me, that's something I believe in. If you're a real supporter, if a player's having an off day, you can only encourage that supporter. You know, that's how that's that's work of life. Well said.
1: Brilliant mate. Well, thanks ever so much, everybody. And and before we go, uh, get well soon, Jordan Archer as well. And and, yeah. and, and yeah. brilliantly brilliantly well, well done for that.
4: Yeah, if, yeah. Give him our
0: best, Albert William, yeah, and, and nah, tell we'll do, I, think, I him. think it's out for a few maybe a few months, so he probably uh, missed the uh, whole season.
4: What, what, what did he actually do? Was it a I just,
0: think it showed have came out of place if um
4: if uh, yeah, I think it came
0: out. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, it's a few months. they rushed him straight to the hospital actually, so that's not a good sign if he went to the hospital straight oh. away. We, yeah. we
4: saw him getting in the ambulance as he was coming down the stairs. He yeah. did, was so happy when everybody rushed over to, to yeah, I think congratulate congratulating for down down saving the goal. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, so he, he done well, you know, it's a shame, yeah. you know, that's, that's football sometimes, you get your chance, you take it and then sometimes yeah. it's just unfortunate that that happened, you know, you know, yeah, he's from a hero.
1: He literally put his body on the line for us, so well there done. Get okay, well soon, mate. And yeah, okay, Thanks everyone.